Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is taking over a new team and retaining top talent. I have a terrific expert today who's going to share with us their thoughts. It's Joe Ventry. He is mortgage sales manager at LCMB Bank. Previous to that, he was with Cincinnati Federal and some other community banks. Hi, Joe. Hi, Pat. Well, this is an important topic for sure, and too often happens where, you know, individuals, when they take over a new job, they really may not handle the managing component correctly. So before we jump into that, why don't we talk a little bit about how you got into managing and then share with that with our audience today. I, uh, right out of high school, went into the Marine Corps, and I, I got out of the Marines and I started collecting delinquent accounts for a finance company who had a management training program. And it was an excellent training ground. And I think that the formal training was, there were, there were just so many things, skills that I developed and important traits that I learned. That was a long time ago, and I've had continuous ongoing education over the same period of time. In fact, if you believe it, about 10 years ago, I hired you as a, uh, my mortgage coach when I went into uh, full-time sales management. It was 10 years ago. Wow. Time flies, to say the least. Hard to believe, isn't it? (laughs) It's hard, really. I was shocked. So what is the best advice that you really got on this topic? I have been fortunate to work with some very talented leaders and who have shaped my approach around what I call the the three nuggets or or, or three foundations. And one manager taught me that, uh, you know, as we're teaching loan officers, that they actually think we're lending money. And we are not lending money. We actually are packaging information for our investors, whether it be Fannie or Freddie, aggregators, or in our case, we also have a a portfolio. So you have to know the guidelines and document the loan file in accordance with those investor guidelines. And it really, it just, I don't know, I sort of had an epiphany. Another said, you know, if you think about it, the job of a loan officer is to complete the 1003 by simply checking boxes and filling in the blanks. And sometimes we make that, because we're lazy, uh, we make it very difficult for our underwriters and processors. And then as far as my approach to how I my team, I was at a high school sports stag and I'm from Cincinnati, so our, our great hero here is Pete Rose and he was speaking and, and telling us why he thought Sparky Anderson was the greatest major league baseball manager of all time. And he said that Sparky knew that he had three types of players that required three different management approaches. And there are personalities that need a pat on the behind, players that need a kick in the behind, and other players you just need to leave their behind alone. And uh, sort of a light went off there. and, And literally the next day, I began to look at my team differently and assess them differently and begin to coach that each individual differently. 
Well, that's really a terrific statement, and it's so true, especially from the standpoint, I think that sometimes managers, when they go into the the position, they are an ex-top producer, and then they think everybody's going to be just like them, and reality is that's not the case. So, good It's a recipe for disaster. Right, (laughs) for sure. For sure. Were there books that influenced you? I'm not a big book reader. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pressed for time often. So I've always been trying to improve my trade, uh, but don't have time always to sit down and read a book. So uh, oftentimes I will, I will jump into your articles, your podcasts, other, sa- you know, sales management things that I can find that, and I'll look at them. Some of them, I think, this isn't for me. That's not my style or I don't agree with it. But um, I prefer to, a short article or a video or a webinar. And um, as, I, as again, I, I and I want to say for your listeners that Pat did not put me up to this, but I have often referenced your materials now going back to 2008 or 2009, but they are industry specific. Uh, there's decades of proven strategies and, and scientific data to support those strategies. And those are things that are important and helpful to me. I'm, I'm a, you know, I do have a geeky side to, to the sales component. Well, I appreciate that, Joe. And actually, it's interesting you say that because I've written a, a weekly blog for a long time. And it really does. I often get the question about how do I come up with the topics? And I come up with them just from the conversations that I have with managers. And so I try to give the solution based upon what's hot at the moment. But thanks so much for your comment. When you look at the secret sauce, and you've been managing uh, for a long time, what do you think most people miss in the managing position? Well, I, I think there's two things. My approach is servient leadership. The manager is there not to manage with a, an iron fist and, and do as I did when I was the top producer. The manager is there to coach and develop and teach. What works for me is that I, I truly care if someone fails or succeeds. The other thing is a healthy culture. A bad culture can kill the greatest coach and the best of teams. Conversely, a great culture can take a mediocre team to the next level. Well, that's a really good point for sure. Really good point. So talk about the key practice that you keep coming back to before we start talking about today's topic. Well, smart goals. Uh, everybody's heard about it. It's the buzzword around coaching and teaching in, in almost any industry, but you cannot make someone a great salesperson. And I, I had a, um, a very young, brand new, kind of a rookie, uh, we'll call her uh, a loan officer. And she called me up one day and said, can I have an appointment with you so you can teach me how to sell? And I said, I, I can't teach you how to sell, but what I can do is I can manage you towards successful behaviors. And if you, I, I truly believe, and, and Pat, I know you're very big on prospecting, prospecting. Pro, sure. If you're not prospecting, you're dying. You're, you're, you're going out of right. business. Right. So, so we, can, we can teach very positive behaviors and, and repeat and repeat and repeat, and you, there will be gold. You know, we will, they, there will be success, I believe. You can have the greatest talent in the world that doesn't do the basics, as I would refer to it, and and they will fail. And and you can have a very mediocre or poor salesperson, but they're they're persistent and they and they do the work and they continue to prospect and and just be there and they'll have success. I believe. 
Well, I think you're right, for sure. And certainly what I see from a consulting standpoint is that when you look at the top producers, they always are including a prospecting component in their work week. And even when we're in a throngs of a refinance market, these people still do prospects. And that's what differentiates the others where when they're in a refinance market, you know, they let prospecting kind of go by the wayside. Isn't that what you've seen? Uh, just this morning, I, I was I was texting to my group. I, we have a group text, and it's just an easy way that I can do a quick touch. And um, and I just said, all right, who's out prospecting today? Because we're we're near historic low rates. Everybody's pipelines are full, and the realtors are wanting to know where's my loan officers. Well, they're they're <laughs> refinancing friends and family and past clients, and nowhere to be found. So this is where we gain market share. Uh, where I remind my team, yes, don't be invisible. Now's the time to go out and, and be there where maybe you weren't getting consideration from potential re referral sources before. Their number one loan officer is nowhere to be found in this refinance market. Well, how true. And and so often, again, it's it's really short-sightedness where they're not laying the ground and you're exactly right. The competition may not be calling on the realtor. And, I'm, you know, regardless, the realtor is still a driver of of mortgage lending. And so to ignore that group, now you have less competition to be out there. So you might as well be out there. But that's really smart idea for sure. Well, let's go, Joe, go on to topic for today. And that's about taking over a new team and retaining the top talent. I know that you have been at several different community banks and have had this same challenge of coming in to either starting from scratch or taking on a team that just wasn't doing as well. And now it's time to take it to the next level. So why don't you share some of your, th your thinking about it and, and practice that, that you have seen work? The first thing I, I try to do, and I can reference most recently is is there was a, an, an organization with with a you know 10 loan officers so it's a smaller operation but i had to take the time to learn the operation learn to become part of the operation and and make recommendations once i've earned that right and i've earned the respect of the team it, you know there there's a lot of good people that have put a operation together they're wanting typically a sales manager to come in and leverage the, the hard work that they've already done. They're not looking for somebody to come in and just change everything. So learn, learn the operation. Take the time to learn who, who's your team, back to those different personalities. Uh, how do they operate? What motivates the team? What are the strengths and weaknesses of that team? Really, my first 30 to 90 days, it just really depends on the size of the team, is, is an observation role and learning and taking lots of notes and inventory uh, so that then we can begin to implement some of the things that we've learned along the way, some of some of the techniques that, frankly, I've learned through your coaching or not, and other coaches. So let them see who you are as a person and as a as a manager. And and I believe, again, my personal mantra is they they both should be the same. You you should be whether you're at work or or at home, be transparent and honest and firm but fair. But again, you servant leader who cares, but is not going to, to run over or work, do the work for the team. They still have to do the work. So when you think about it, and I know, I, I, actually from knowing you, is that you're obviously an energetic, 
a million ideas, a great salesperson. So when you're going into a new assignment to a, a new organization, it's really tough, I think, for a lot of managers not to implement and defer that 90 days. Is that something you've kind of learned to observe uh, versus, okay, I know how it works because I've seen this a million times. I mean, talk about that because it's not easy to control your emotions when you've been hired to possibly turn around the organization, the sales group. Yeah, I could actually say that, you know, I I didn't take my own advice in in a past life and and, uh, walked in and it was somewhat circumstantial, but we, we began to make changes immediately. And, and I think it just kind of alienated the team, um, justified or not. They, they just, they felt, Hey, we've been here, we've been doing this and now you're just right. changing the way we do things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've made that mistake. And most recently, you know, I've, I've not, uh, well, actually I also had another situation where I walked into an existing community bank and actually made a lot of changes and made the operation more efficient you know so there there were different types of successes that didn't necessarily translate to sales but it translated to ease of operation and, and efficiencies but but yeah the, i think learning i've learned from mistakes and you have to you know no one's going to be perfect all the time and so you you have to learn from your mistakes it's a great culture great leadership uh they, they have a, a, a fine operation and we are really poised to to really gain market share with the the existing team and by adding new new originators to the team. And so, um, yes, but but it was very much got got here and began strictly in a observation mode, which is smart. I'll never forget one of the executives a long time ago when I was discussing this issue with them talked about. A simple thing as even moving a desk from one area to another area because for whatever reason they were doing it, that it was shocking to that person how that got people upset on something that they never even thought about and didn't think was a big deal. And I think that really applies to when you go into a new group that managers that are not really efficient will try to make changes right away and they haven't earned any trust from the present group that's there. And as we all know, you're not going to be able to replace every person. You have to recognize that you want to start out in the right way. And that sounds a lot about what you're talking about. Is that right? Again, I think it all comes down to trust and learning. And 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 if I, I don't, Tiger Woods, who arguably was the greatest golfer in the world, didn't trust his swing coach. He's not going to listen to him. I mean, it's just you know, and sure. and so it, it, yeah, there you have to have uh, you have to develop a trust. Right. Well, that's really a good point. Well, let's dive a little bit deeper and talk about the top producers. So when you're going into a new sales group and the top producers, do you treat them differently than the others or do you, how how do you handle that issue? I I don't treat a top producer differently than anyone else. And, And by that, I mean, you know, they, they are not permitted to turn in sloppier files than uh, you know, and, and maybe a, a lesser performer, right? I, and 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 I have seen this where where top producers are treated 
and just get away with things that ultimately hurt the operation and hurt the other producers. It, it's it's prohibitive. And so now that said, a top producer may have different needs than the other producers. So I, I listen to them uniquely and, and I go back to Sparky's rules. And, and that is, you know, do they need one of those three things, you know, and, you know, we, uh, patting them on the behind or we kicking them in the behind or we just leaving them alone. And so that's, that's the approach. So how would you, Joe, in other words, how do you determine which Sparky's rule applies? In other words, let's say you go to have a conversation with the top producer, you're new to the group. You really don't know that person. You only know of them, obviously in that group, these, this person has done well. And so how do you figure out wh- where they, what Sparky's rules apply? I utilize your hiring and development assessments. Uh, saw you speak somewhere. I came back to the board and I said, we have to do this. And they bought into it. And now I have tools. Not only is it that uh, it, it assesses the individual, but in addition to that, it, it says, you know, here's a way that you can manage this. This is what motivates this individual. This does not motivate this individual. Right. And, and it's based on them filling it out and telling you what's important to them. So getting to know them, but also using tools such as an assessment, a profile, personality profile assessment. Well, I certainly, I appreciate the the kind words. And, and certainly that was the original idea behind developing those types of assessments was my own experience as a manager that you waste so much time trying to figure out what the person's about, that it just seemed to me that you could do it more analytically, which was kind of what is the purpose of doing that to save the manager time. But certainly sitting down and having conversations, the interesting thing is, and I'm sure, Joe, you've had this experience, where sometimes what is conveyed by the actual employee, let's say a top producer, they they might be conveying actually saying they're motivated by one thing, but that's really not what they're motivated by because you're able to find out through their own taking of a questionnaire wh- what they really are motivated by. So that is the purpose of, of getting an extra tool as a part of your bag of tricks that you're able to really have insight as fast as possible. And so have you ever had where the top producer will tell you X, Y, Z about themselves and how they're motivated and how they want to be managed, but that may not be the real case. Absolutely. I, one uh, that comes to mind was a, a gentleman that I knew for many years. We worked together for many years and, and I, you know, again, a, applying my, my rule, um, I thought, Oh, he's, he's a leave me alone kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And I, re- we, I remember we, we did some renovations and expansion. We were moving them from cubicles to their own office. And this gentleman walked in and as he was setting up his desk, brought in a a plaque from 1982 uh, he's, he's a loan officer now but he was a, a a realtor back then and this is in 2015 or so and i and i thought it, it looked like one of those oscars you know and he's kind of dusting it off and i thought oh my gosh <laughs> he, he he's not a leave me alone he's a recognition he needs recognition i went back and i i you know, pulled the assessment and looked at it and it was, it was right there and I had missed it all along. So, but it, that was just 
you just have to know your folks. You have to listen to them and and then again, read the data when you have it in front of you. So, no, that's, uh, that's a great point. That's for sure. And all of us have been in that position where we think, and I think with top producers in particular, many managers feel, well, we just leave them alone and they'll do their own thing. And that can be actually the wrong thing for sure. Likewise, it can be where a top producer doesn't want the recognition. So again, everybody's individually is different. And that's the part that I think has troubling for a lot of people. Well, we're down to the last few minutes minutes today, Joe. So would you share with you what you would want our listeners to take away? Yes. You know, again, I, I may be repeating myself, but I, but I think the takeaway is, is that you need to know, you need to know your team. You need to know your operation. Uh, you need to be personally invested. And, and again, utilize technology and, and tools and they're, they're out there. Some companies are great at this and other, you know, I, I've worked for smaller community banks. And so we're probably slower to, to grasp something like that, you know, because it's, it's an investment. And, and sometimes uh, old community bankers look at it as, as an expense, but it's an investment. And I, I've had great returns on, on those investments. Well, thanks, Joe. I certainly, I just want to thank you for sharing your thoughts today. They really were terrific. And I want to say to everyone else to certainly look for our next podcast. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much for having me, Pat.